1: You're listening to DraftKings Network. Back here on a mic'd up Monday edition of Gojo and Golek presented by Wrangler. So Green Bay now, two and one after an incredible fourth quarter comeback yesterday, a victory over the Saints. Jordan Love, not great. All that matters though, he was good enough. When it counted, let's listen in on what he had to say after the big dub.
0: I mean, it's very hard, Um, you know, especially you haven't done what you wanted all game, um, especially offensively. Um, You know, we hurt ourselves more than uh, we helped ourselves. And then um, just to be able to stay poised and, and stay confident in what we're doing, um, and just have that next play mentality. But uh, it's not easy. It's, it's a total team win right there. Everybody's got to, you know, step up and make plays, and we did it all phase at the end. It's always about how the game ends, um, and, you know, it felt great at the end. That's, that's all I can say is it felt really good at the end.
1: I've never been a part of a win like this. The guys in the locker room, they believe. They believe in one, in one another, and they continue to battle. And that, that's really, as a coach, that's all you, that's all you can ask of anybody. His first start at Lambeau here, Junior, and the Packers scoring 18 points in the final 11 minutes. Again, what I just said, wasn't great, wasn't perfect, but he was good when it mattered the most and when his team needed him.
0: Yeah, Dad, those final few drives, Jordan Love was letting that thing rip. You had the great back shoulder touchdown to Romeo Dobbs. And just in general, a guy who looked poised under pressure late in this game. Now, we know the other side of this coin is that Derek Carr injury at quarterback for the New Orleans Saints completely changed the second half of that game where Chris Olave had been sensational for so much of it. But... Give Jordan Love a bunch of credit. They haven't lost a home opener around those parts in uh, Lambeau Field in quite some time. And Jordan Love, the heir apparent to a throne that has seen two future Hall of Fame or two Hall of Famers come and go, started off and made sure he kept that streak intact.
2: Yeah, listen, he's only thrown one interception uh, on the year and it was in the game yesterday. Listen, overall, statistic wise, it wasn't great. He completed 50% of his passes uh, for about 260 yards, one tutty, and, and one interception. But as he said, it only matters what you're doing at the end and how you finish. And it's always interesting to watch a player when you're down seemingly in a way where you're not going to come back, as they were 17-0 going into the fourth quarter, how somebody plays. They always say sometimes you play a little freer, right? When you don't have a lot to lose, you're already losing. A lot of people don't think you're going to come back and win, and you just start firing the ball around. You know, and then you sit there and say, "Man, I wish you could bottle that and do that from the beginning." Because you, you, yeah, you got to give them credit for what they did of saying, "Okay, seventeen zip, everything else be damned." Let's just let's just go for it, and slowly they came back. And this was you mentioned Derek Carr going out hurt. Jameis Winston didn't hurt them. I mean, Jameis no. Winston was ten of sixteen for one hundred one yards, didn't throw any interceptions. But uh, th- this is a credit to that that offense, obviously defense as well. They had to stop. Uh, the other team's offense. But for that offense, just kind of let it go a little bit.
0: Yeah, I mean, credit to the defenses, right? You came into this game incredibly shorthanded overall, did the Packers. Jair Alexander out on defense. Aaron Jones out with a hamstring on offense. Christian Watson still not in for them. David Bakhtiari, the left tackle, still dealing with that knee. Elton Jenkins, their left guard out for this game. And you look around Rashawn Gary has multiple sacks on the defensive side of the football. Everybody pulled the rope on this thing. Layton this green Bay team. I know we had had the stats. I think Jordan love was like number one in passing efficiency coming into this game. We knew he wasn't the best quarterback in the NFL or maybe even playing like the best quarterback in the NFL. But again, dad, for a guy that's had to sit the bench and wait his turn for so long, he's come in and he's played clean football. And in this case, through a lot of adversity, without a lot of his primary weapons or protectors there, we mentioned that offensive line, the strength of this team coming into the season. And so he deserves a ton of credit for being able to go and pull this one out as they rally from that 17 point deficit in the fourth quarter. Emerson, I'm sorry, but we yeah. do have to also relive yes, uh, your worst nightmare from this yeah. weekend and hear a little bit from the victor in D'Amico Ryan's in Houston. Hey, man. Hey. Hey, proud of each and every man in this in room, man. All right. Y'all put the work in this week. Right, that's what it looked like, man. Y'all put the work in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right? We put the work in. We put the money in the bank and you cashed out today. That's what it looked like. Right? That's what it looked like, man. Come on, baby. Let's keep building, man. It's a great feeling. Love it. Love this feeling right here. Proud of all you guys. I can't wait. To get back rolling again, the next one, all right? Yeah. Enjoy this one. It's hard to win in this league. Enjoy every one of them. There's gonna be many more to enjoy. In here, yeah. oh, That's all. Oh,
1: oh, oh. coach, coach, coach. Oh. First win. Yeah.
0: yeah. Dad, yeah. The vibes turn around in the yeah. last few years for this Houston team. That for so long was living under the shroud of all the weird front office moves there the end of the deshaun watson tenure and what a nightmare that was in so many ways and now getting to this point where you bottomed out last year you're picking near the top of the draft you make a bunch of moves that people don't necessarily agree with at the top outside of drafting cj stroud with your first first round pick in the draft this last year you bring D'Amico ryans over and man That group, when you hear them talk about their coach, when you hear the players on that team talk about C.J. Stroud and how much they believe we picked the absolute right dude for our team, we are so thankful. I heard one of the players saying, I'm so thankful we won that game last year when we did and got to the spot that we did in the draft because the stars aligned because we got C.J. on this team. The vibes are immaculate around Houston right now and being inside that locker room looks like one of the most fun places in football this weekend.
2: So, you know, a couple of things on this one. this was one of those where, and and they're playing the presumptive favorite in that division, right? A team in Jacksonville, who's everybody is saying, is going to ready to take the next step. They're up 17 to nothing on this Jacksonville team, and then with 435 left in the third quarter, it's a 17-10 game, and you just start thinking, oh boy, all right, they came out of the gates well, had the lead, and they're going to blow it, they're going to do the Houston Texans thing and blow it, and they didn't. They extended the lead and ended up winning it by 20 points. That to me is a monster step with a rookie quarterback because I've talked about this a lot when you get a rookie quarterback playing for a bad team, if you're a veteran in that locker room, there's a lot of times you're like, man this this is going to be a rough year. I don't have many years in the league by average. and you know it's going to be a rough one. but I think everybody kind of sees the hope, right? Like you said, we picked the right quarterback. We got the guy, doesn't turn the ball over, is efficient, did great against blitzes yesterday when he hadn't in the first couple of games. So you see the maturation process going on that, and that's when what your new young head coach is selling, the team is buying, and you see it come to fruition on the field – What a great mental lift for that team. Obviously physical and getting the win, but to see, yeah, you know what? We took what everybody thought was the best team in this division and a team that maybe might do something in the playoffs, and we beat them up pretty good.
0: We mentioned already C.J. Stroud became the first player in NFL history with over 900 passing yards, four touchdowns, and no picks in his first three games. Tank Dell, their rookie receiver out of Houston, also set a franchise record for receiving yards by a rookie. Five catches for 145 yards and will Anderson the pick yep. that they said shouldn't have traded that much capital for for that player there's no way not an advisable decision became the first Houston rookie to block a field goal since J.J. Watt in 2011 good company there and I'll be damn dead D'Amico Ryan's that looks like we always hear about the advantage of having a former player as a head coach he first off looks like physically he could still go out there and give you a few snaps but that sounds exactly like a player addressing his team after the game right there and we've seen with Dan Campbell with the Detroit Lions how far that can go a player hearing a voice from a guy that's lived that shared perspective D'Amico Ryans already seems to have the attention and buy into that locker room and now like he said you get to drop this bit of capital in the bucket if you're D'Amico saying this is what we've prepared you for look what happened when you execute the way that we've shown you is possible.
2: Yeah, it's great, when, and especially when your young players are doing it. Yeah. You mentioned young yeah. receiver, young edge rusher, young quarterback. And again, you just have to mention Andrew Beck, the fullback. He, When he had that kickoff return oh, for yeah, a touchdown, brother. became the heaviest player in NFL history. To return a kickoff for a touchdown of 255 pounds, broke five tackles. I mean, that you just did <laughs> oh, not expect him it. to keep going and make we it all the way the to the scale. end zone. It was unreal the scale, the oh, yeah.
0: heaviest player <laughs> to ever return a yep. kickoff. Every time a fullback scores a touchdown, a fat angel gets its wings. And so <laughs> yeah. we're all blessed on this fine Monday, walking uh. into God-saving light. Emerson, I will say, I saw it was the first time that a fullback. It scored a, tick, a kickoff return for a touchdown since Jacksonville's very own Derek Wimbush did it in 2005. So oh, a yeah. full circle moment, unfortunately, Beautiful. on the wrong end for Beautiful. America's team, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Emerson, what's the third bit of sound that we got here? We'll get you away from all this pain Thank from cool-ass D'Amico Ryan, who I want to run through Thank a wall you. for and finish this off. Uh,
1: plenty of pain in Minnesota, guys, because the Vikings now are 0-3. Uh, Kirk Cousins, who you guys had on the show here last week, throwing a game-sealing interception uh, against the Chargers yesterday. It was a ball that deflected off of tight end TJ Hawkinson, who had a few words to share with the people following the loss.
0: You know, it's a tough one at the end. Uh, you know, I mean, bang off the linebacker, and it's, you know, I see the ball coming, and it's just, yeah, tough one. But, uh, you know, it was a – we. we we fought until the end, and that's what we can ask of this team. Uh, that's what you'll see every week, but uh, we just need to come out with one of these.
1: Uh, this game was also filled with like head-scratching coaching decisions and uh, also pretty much a debt stamp when you fall to 0-3 uh, in the NFL, Junior.
0: Yeah, Dad, we knew regression was probably coming for the Vikings this year, but this version of it was particularly painful. This is a game where both franchises seem cursed. Like the amount of things that happened in this game, the Minnesota Vikings had what looked like a sure interception that just bounced out of their corners' hands and into the waiting arms of a Chargers receiver for a touchdown. It was that kind of day on both sides. But for this game to end, as we mentioned before – on a play there and an interception down by the goal line where the Vikings tried to go hurry up after converting fourth down and had trouble communicating the play because of how loud it was in their home stadium. All of these things just add insult to injury in a moment where now this team is going to be fighting an uphill battle and really playing for pride for what it seems like a lot of this season.
2: Yeah, it really does. And, and to have that that loudness in your home field yeah. where you need them to be quiet and Kirk Cousins couldn't hear the play call, plays a call on his own. But, I mean, how about Brandon Staley's decision, oh. you know, earlier? I mean, he's in deep in his own territory on a fourth down, punt the ball away. Punt it away and make them go the full field. I, I, you know, you, you get the thought process, man. You like to be aggressive, get the first down, and you can end the game. Oh, my God, that was not the place to do it.
0: Yeah, so Staley had a four-point lead with 151 remaining in the game. And on fourth and one, decided to run it from their own 24-yard line (laughs) to go and win the game. And, Dad, to your point, Brandon Staley has kind of been the lightning rod of this fourth down aggressiveness conversation going back to his first season at the helm. Regressed majorly last year. Like, I don't know if someone got in his ear, nerd bashed him or whatever, but he became what normally we see from defensive head coaches. Extremely conservative last year by those measures. And now in this moment, just decides to go YOLO in this spot where, I love playing with house money and other people's money as much as anybody when it comes to fourth down aggressiveness in football, college, or pro. But even this was too rich for my blood, Dad. Now, they end up winning the game still, and so this will somewhat get erased. But that would have been a decision that, had they lost this game, would have, I mean, ensured his status as a first-take topic bar into this week.
2: Oh, without a doubt. Listen, he had already basically been one of the – Head coaches, uh, maybe the top of the board coming in, and you hate to do it, that that was on the hot seat of yeah. of a team that we all thought had been underachieving. And if they would have lost that one, you're right, the win gets a reprieve from that. But that was still – there were a couple of head scratchers out there, and that was why I was, I was stunned. I'm like, what what the hell are they? They're not really going to run a play. And sure enough, they go for it. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. It almost bit them. But, you know, the, the as they say, it's not where you start, it's where you finish, and they got the win
0: they did get the win in large part thanks to justin herber 405 yards three touchdowns and now a franchise record 213 straight passing attempts without an interception in this game keenan allen goes for over oh, 200 yards huge. mike williams left that game on a cart with yeah. injury after having yeah. a big day also which you know really hope uh for the best in that situation for one of the most talented receivers in the nfl but still a lot of questions to answer for this team the offense really has not. We've had complaints about the offense and wanting them to go down the field more, wanting more explosive plays in the past, Kellen Moore and company. But the more and more we go through this, the defense continues to be the thing that people circle for a defensive-led head coach.
2: I, I and and I have to bring up the decision that that in the game that I did last week. Just just so Man. you can tell me, I, because I was I my head was going to explode when I was calling this game. I mean. It was a point where the Raiders, it looked like they, you know, Pittsburgh had taken over this game. They were 16 down. They get a score. They get the two point conversion. Now they're down eight, a touchdown and a two pointer. I had said two touchdowns, two two point conversions. We got a tie ball game. The Raiders get the ball down to the eight yard line. It's third and three. They can get a first down. And, And this is. After they had lined up for a field goal, got an offside by Pittsburgh, who gave the Raiders opportunity after opportunity. So they took that and they started another drive. Third down and three at the uh, at the eight yard line. You can get a first down, and they throw a pass to the end zone, which I didn't think was the right move. I thought it was two down territory, no matter what. Incomplete. Fourth and three. It's like you got you're going for it. It's just a couple of minutes left in the game. You got to go for it. He kicks the field goal. Yeah. Kicks the field goal. So they still need a touchdown. The touchdown previous would have been to tie. Now they would have got a win, but they still needed a touchdown. They, they, they make the three, kick the ball off, and, and obviously get the ball back with just a couple of seconds. It doesn't work. They lose. I have no idea. I, I My head was going to explode in the booth saying, what are you doing? Why are you – there's no math that tells me you should be kicking the field goal there. You could get a whole new set of downs at the five-yard line. All you need is three yards, and you kick the field goal. I – and I, I know I, I didn't understand it all, and I didn't understand his explanation after the game either. Well, No, get ready. after
0: the game, he was down eight and said we needed multiple <laughs> possessions when asked why he kicked the field goal yeah. down eight. Like, was he not going to go for two in that spot? All of this is maddening yeah. because with most of these decisions, when it comes to analytically declined decisions in these moments— It's about gaming what happens after. Dad, it's like when you sit at a blackjack table and someone makes a decision and you wait and see what the next couple of cards are going to look like there before you ultimately know the outcome. If you kick the field goal there, you're relying on your defense as a variable after that. Getting the ball back, your offense being able to drive with minimal timeouts or no timeouts and the full length of the field to go and get that other score. Or... Your offense makes a play in a short area of the field with eight yards to go for the end zone, and you try and simplify the equation. You introduce fewer variables that give you a much better likelihood of success in that spot. Well, get yeah. ready.
1: <laughs> get ready, guys, because you have Raiders Chargers next week. You have McDaniels <laughs> and Staley next <laughs> week in what some are calling a heavyweight classic full of stupidity. <laughs>
0: oh, my wow. God. Yeah. That is, uh, wow. yeah, that's, yeah gonna be ready. Spe- that's, that's up there. I saw other people also pointing ahead to the inevitable matchup that's on the schedule between the bears and the Broncos oh for two God. teams that got absolutely thunder punched yesterday, <laughs> dad, overall, looking at the big slate of games yesterday, who did you learn the most about as an NFL team? through the course of this weekend here cuz i would argue for me it was the buffalo bills right they go out there and absolutely pump the washington commanders 37 to 3 and the last two weeks after week 1 where buffalo loses an embarrassing game to a jets team that had their starting quarterback injured on primetime josh allen's looked like himself again this team's been out here humming and looking very much like the contender we expected
2: you know i'll go a couple on or one on on the positive side a couple on the negative I I think some people have a hard time buying into Miami saying they belong with the Kansas City and Cincinnati Bengal talk. Now, remember, Cincinnati Bengals aren't doing too well. We'll find out what they can do uh, tonight. But it's, it's like... Do you want to put them in with the what we had called the top three, Kansas City and Cincinnati and Buffalo? Buffalo now playing well. And they, they deserve to be there, if not on top. Now they have to prove it because those teams have been to the playoffs. They've been knocking each other off in the playoffs. Yeah. So Miami's got to get there. But man, I you gotta and I did pick them to win that division, but you gotta believe more and more. On the other side, we see anything that happened in the NFL. How do the Arizona Cardinals Beat the Dallas Cowboys. How does that happen? How do the Cardinals put up 28 on a Cowboys defense that we think is the best in the league? I know that that Cowboys offense was missing a couple of old linemen and Biotis and, 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 Mark, and Zach Martin, but and still. Tyron,
0: and Tyron Smith. So you went down
2: three starters. So three. So how does that happen? That just, it, it's one thing, then you say, well, it's the NFL, so anything can happen on Sunday. But the one thing I'll say is we know the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears stink and that is in stone i would
0: also add the new york jets oh yeah on offense with that zach wilson can't be the quarterback of that team get a veteran quarterback You you've, you've got to at least try and show this roster something. And I get maybe you don't want to mortgage a bunch of capital if you believe Rodgers is going to come back next year, but you've got you owe it to the rest of this locker room to put someone else out there at the helm because maybe it's not all his fault, but unfortunately that's the easiest solution to try and change in a way that can help you out. So much going on in the NFL, but coming up next, let's take a visit back to college. Is primetime up after a big-time win by the Ducks? Next on Gojo and Goalie. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seeds dso one Daily Symbiotic is gonna benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seeds dso one myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements, because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take dso one with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit and Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine again with no refrigeration required. So- Oh, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25GOJO to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25GOJO.
1: All right, this will probably come as no surprise to anybody, but in its first season under Deion Sanders, Colorado, right, has been the talk of the sports world. Buffaloes got off to that 3-0 start after winning just one game last season. They entered this past weekend against Oregon as 21-point underdogs. They failed to cover, which kind of shows the gap between Colorado and really the top teams in college football. Oregon coach, though, Dan Lanning did not hold back in his pregame speech before this game against Colorado. Listen to this right meow.
2: Rooted in substance, not flash, rooted in substance. Today, we talk with our pads. You talk with your helmet, right? Every moment, the Cinderella story is over, man, right? They're fighting for clicks, we're fighting for wins. There's a difference, right? There's a difference,
0: right? This game ain't gonna be played in Hollywood, it's gonna be played on the grass, right? It's gonna be played on the grass. Let's go! Ooh, yeah. baby, that's spicy. That's how you spicy. cut a promo right there. That's spicy, yeah. how you Junior. cut a promo right there. But you know what? Like, and I've seen people on all sides of this, man, that's like football. We all knew going into this week, anytime you're a team that perceives itself as, and they are, legitimate national title contender, legitimate college football playoff contender, the Pac-12 is a juggernaut this year, and Colorado had been the story for all the reasons that are totally understandable, but Dad, I knew simmering in that locker room all week had to be that, All right, just wait and see, because we didn't hear a lot of talking from either team in the lead up to this game, but Oregon bided their time, and you could see the Online, they made it personal. It was personal to a lot of guys in that Oregon locker room that felt like they didn't get their respect in the coverage in the lead-up to this, and now want more of that respect on the back end for going out there. And, dead as, as lopsided physically a matchup as I have ever seen in person. I was calling that game for Learfield Audio. I was up there in the booth, and that was along the lines of scrimmage. A concern that we had had going into this game that exceeded my expectations for just how much Oregon offensively and defensively on the lines of scrimmage dominated that football game.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna talk to you about that. But as far as what's been said, I've had no issue with how Dion has gone about his business no. and I had no issue with Dan Lanning and what he said. You know, it's about it's about pumping your players up. So there was yes. no, and and as that game was going on, I I was we were watching at home, and I'm like, Dion's going to handle this great. After he's going to tell his team they got their butts kicked. That's what he's going to say publicly. We got whooped on, and then he said, "Get us now," because this is the worst we're going to be. We're just going to get better. And he said, "Dan Lanning's an excellent coach." I knew he was going to handle it that way because the whole thing with, with Dion is a lot of people just hate the delivery, just thinking he's you know too arrogant. When Dion has always been Dion, man, and he gets his players to believe. And when he sat there and talked about believing, my question was always like, okay, well, what degree, Dion, are we supposed to believe? You know, I believe you're a way better team than what Colorado had. And you had this team going in an incredible positive direction, but I don't believe you're a contending team. So there's a lot of area in between there, right? Of you're going in the right direction, but you got a long way to go. And on that note, boy, I'm with you. That uh, between recruiting and the portal, they need to hit those lines of scrimmage because that is where they are absolutely getting manhandled.
0: And that was what we expected coming yes. into this season, and it underscores the point. What Dion and company have already done, like mm-hmm. they were worth all the celebration they got. Yep. It broke contain and became a 60 minutes in a good morning America story. And so it was going to be a conversation that involved a lot of people that weren't familiar with the reality of the situation, right? A lot of people parachuting in dad weren't going to care about offensive and defensive line depth as they assessed the situation for right. Colorado. They just saw primetime doing this in the early portion of the season in a way that very few people, myself included, expected. The fact that they are still going to be relevant for a conversation about a bull bid is an, like, if, if they get to six wins, and that's still yeah. going to be an uphill climb, but if they get to six wins, Deion Sanders would be an easy vote for coach of the year based on where they were last year and what they went through this offseason. But, Dad, it's become about so much more than that. This has become yeah. a culture war with yeah. a lot of racial undertones to it. Dion's brought up. I think there are a lot of people that are uncomfortable with a black man being as publicly himself on this stage, with a, you know a, someone in the coaching profession being this much of a personality. We've seen coaches, they've always been the figureheads, but very rarely do you get someone out here who is as much the star of the show because of what he was as a player as Deion Sanders is that I'm sure makes a lot of coaches jealous or angry or feels like it's violating some sort of code there. All of that stuff is bunk because at the end of the day, what you've still gotten, you pointed it out, Dad, is a guy who's a quality coach. He's yes. proven that now at multiple spots. He's proven that in the way that he's handled all these situations through four games so far this season. This group has been ready for everything that's been thrown their way. In this game, they just were not physically capable, and that was something that, again, was the reality we all knew going into this season for the people that actually paid attention.
2: I mean, just think about it. They obviously didn't have a lot of talent on the team winning one game last year. He revamped basically the entire roster and got them to play together to the point where I do think they'll end up making a bowl game, which is absolutely incredible. And because of that, and because of everything that comes with it, you're going to get guys that want to go to school there that are going to want to be part of this program going in the right direction. Whether it's an 18-year-old or whether it's a a sophomore or junior that wants to go in the portal and come play for Prime. I mean, that's, that's where it is right now. He is He has won that part of it. He has done phenomenal with that part of it, and he has proven, because we didn't know he was a – you know, he talks about coaching these kids in Little League, then he was a high school coach, then he coached at Jackson State, and you keep hearing him say, none of of you knew this because you never watched it. You never saw us. And and you're right. We didn't see you do it at the Power 5 level, but we saw you take a whole group of players – And get them to play together and believe and turn that program around. Again, they're not ready to compete. Oregon, I mean, we'll see the Pac-12. It still blows my mind, Mike, that the Pac-12 is the deepest conference in the country, and they're they're a lame duck. They're going to be. They're a a lame duck conference. Blows my mind and we have to wait and see if they start as we say eating their young as the season goes on and just start knocking each other off
0: i was going to say in a couple of weeks that oregon washington matchup is going to be an absolute heavyweight bout emerson
1: and uh you know junior going back to what you said if you're thinking colorado hits like six seven wins like that would be a commendable achievement and in my opinion would warrant placing deion sanders still in the conversation for national coach of the year no Easily, e- e- yes. easily, Emerson. And so I-, I think what this all boils down
0: to, because again, it's it, it kind of in its own way is like the Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey relationship, where a lot of people that normally wouldn't be in this conversation have jumped into this conversation and started authoring opinions. Dan Lanning in Oregon, the way they responded is sports. It is taking everything as a perceived slight, and it is weaponizing it for your benefit as a team. They did that, and now they get to go on their way and probably will receive a bump in conversation because of the amount of attention paid to Colorado, the amount of eyeballs that I'm sure we'll see were tuned into that game. But on the other side, Dad... Deion Sanders is being himself the same person who he's always been and that has been more than good enough as a coach with what he's clearly done behind the scenes there and as a program builder now, what he's done for Colorado. Dad, you mentioned they've got the easiest recruiting pitch in the world now. Look at what we've been able to do with one offseason and now look at all the areas where we still need help where you, ex-recruit, can come in and help us, can come in and be a part of this while you've got us on college game day. I saw T.O. there on the sideline, Chauncey yep. e. Billups who's a buff so alum was back there all of these people that are going to want to be around you and the program and the opportunities it's going to afford you, that comes from Dion being willing to be himself. And we see this sport a lot like we see in baseball. Some, especially old guard coaches, a little more afraid to be yourself publicly, put yourself up there because if it goes wrong, people are going to come from you. Dion played cornerback. You think he's worried about people coming for him because he goes out here and writes checks with his mouth? No, because he's confident more often than not he's going to cash them and that's a confidence people are, I think, largely jealous of because very few have it themselves. A
2: hundred percent. He made a living on writing a check and having to cash it. And he did it time to be one of the greatest athletes to play in sports and to be a Hall of Famer. While most coaches will, you know, while, while they're be spotlighted, they want to push away from the spotlight and put it on their kids. He has no problem. No problem with the light shining brightly on him, has his kids embrace it, but also understands. And that's the beauty of it. Is, you know what? That, that film session, I bet, I bet he had him watch every single play. You guys got your butts kicked. Learn from it. Okay, we had the good. Now this is the bad. Now we got to figure some stuff out. And he is not afraid to be front and center to do it all.
0: Nope, he is not. But front and center, as we both pointed out, should be the Pac-12 going forward. Yes. With Oregon, Washington, Utah, USC. It's going to be a blistering end to that season as we get into October and November. Coming up next, though, let's get you set for Monday Night Football's doubleheader. Next on Gojo and Goal The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Back here on the Monday edition of Gojo and Golic. Can we please normalize a 7:15 Monday night football starts and B Monday night football doubleheaders? Yes, please. We got the Eagles and Bucks kicking off the doubleheader tonight. Battle of the unbeatens, Baker Mayfield. Doesn't look like the Baker Mayfield of the past couple seasons here, Junior. And the Bucs are the only team in the NFL right now without a turnover. Meanwhile, the late game, late game, eight fifteen, we have Joe Burrow banged up. Bengals are 0-2, only team since 2019 to start 0-2 and make the playoffs. You go to 0-3, only 1% of NFL teams starting 0-3 since 2002 make the playoffs. We don't know if he's going to play or not. What are your expectations tonight here, Junior? Yeah, uh, this
0: is uh, really interesting on both counts, Dad. And let's start with that Rams-Bengals game. Joe Burrow practiced Friday, which is a good sign, but we know this cap has been way more of a storyline than any of us hoped once the season kicked off, going back to that training camp injury. And dad I'm fascinated because if he's hindered at all this turns into it first off if he's off the field now all of a sudden you can hit the panic switch a little bit because at 0-3 that uphill climb especially in what we know is a difficult division is going to get even more precipitous but this Rams team I am fascinated from their standpoint for this is a real test and a real chance they have gone out and overperformed and outperformed expectations through two weeks win against the Seahawks where they were a little bit banged up but then last week playing nose-to-nose with that San Francisco 49ers outfit for a lot of that game. There is a lot of young players outside of just Puka Nakua on this roster who have balled out in the early going. But a healthy Matthew Stafford against a Bengals team that limps into this with their quarterback especially, if they win, all of a sudden become the live dog and I think become the conversation of this week in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Rams have surprised a lot of people. Stafford did throw a couple of interceptions in that San Francisco game. He's a- actually thrown multiple interceptions in eight of his 28 games with the Rams. But Puka and Tutu, as I said, who, who thought we'd be talking about these two guys? Cooper Cup, you know, still not back that hamstring. I'm really, really worried about him going forward. But And the youngest, youngest roster because of all the moves they had to make. They have been uh, the surprise darlings early on. This year. And with Cincinnati, listen, we we said the record of Joe Burrow four years, first two games, he's one and seven. We're not going to worry. We're not going to worry. But if he's not around or 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 Gimpy with it with the calf, they're not going anywhere this year. I know I and many others picked them to make it to the Super Bowl. So there is the thought process of, okay, we need to get a win, but this guy needs to be healthy when we need him the most. But if we wait and need him the most, are we too far gone? you know, and and fighting our way just to make it into the postseason. I still think they do. Uh, I think their their contenders there are going to be, obviously, Baltimore, which lost, and and Cleveland as well. Um, So I – I don't know the decision there. You know, he's going to want to play. It's a soft tissue, so that can take time. You wait till it's completely healed up to put him out there because last thing in the world you want is him to throw a pass as he's rolling right and all of a sudden he's pulling up Gimpy on that leg and you're like, oh, God, here we go. Are we going to set, up, set him back a couple of weeks?
0: Yeah, I think with the Bengals you would be smart to take the long-term approach for your quarterback, for a guy you just made a massive investment in. He is so vital to the next decade of your team's life. You don't want to do anything to necessarily hurt that, but I'd be stunned if the competitor in Joe Burrow didn't fight tooth and nail and get into this game. I think, Dad, it puts a premium on the matchup on the other side. You look at this Rams offense, one of three offenses in the NFL, converting it better than 50% on third down at 58% through the first couple of weeks of the season. Luanarumo, Lou Anarumo, who's become a household name, going back yeah. to when these teams met in the Super Bowl, a couple of years ago, right? This is a rematch of a Super Bowl that the Rams went out there and won. Since then, Lou Anarumo become a guy we're all used to in the work that he's done in the defensive side of the ball for that team that we know Green in the secondary coming back after losing out on a couple of their safety players to free agency. I think that's going to be the fascinating side of the football to watch in this game. And the other matchup, Dad, did you ever think there was a world where we would be talking about a battle of the unbeatens between the Philadelphia Eagles and a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team most people uh, had penciled in for the Caleb Williams sweepstakes?
2: Uh, this one, Listen, Baker Mayfield, I, I know he lost eight of his ten starts last year, but, man, he's fun to watch. And he has not turned the ball over. Again, it's not like he's throwing for crazy yards, three touchdowns, but no interceptions because that's – You see him create outside the pocket and do things. You're just like, what the hell is he doing? And then he makes a play or he throws a horrific uh, interception. Well, he hasn't done that now. So, But the matchup I'm looking forward to here is the running attack uh, with Swift and with Jalen Hurts. They're second in the league, averaging I think over 170 yards a game. And Tampa Bay is second against the run, just giving up 52 yards. By the way, Philadelphia is first giving up just 51 yards against the run. So neither one of these teams may be able to run. But if there's a team that's going to be able to run, it's going to be Philly because they haven't gone by this, this hole. We can't let Lamar Jackson run as much. We can't let, you know, Josh Allen run as much. They got to, if those teams want to win, just like Philly knows, your quarterback's got to run. Your quarterbacks are better when they're running. Not to say they got to run 20 times a game, but I, I don't want to hear out of these, you know what, we got to limit that. They're going to get hit. And, and they may get hurt, but the only way those teams with running quarterbacks get where they're going, like Philly got to the Super Bowl, is to have your running quarterback run. And that's what Jalen Hurts does. That's what DeAndre Swift does behind that offensive line. So that's their bread and butter, and that's
0: what they're going to try and hang their hat on. You mentioned the name, Dad, that I'm most interested in here. DeAndre Swift, 175 yards on the ground and a breakout performance after like three carries in week one. Yeah. This is a bad week to bet events the combination of a Kelsey and a Swift. That's all I'm saying. The Philadelphia offense got all the makings of it right now. I would be very worried if I was Tampa going into this game. And on the other side, you mentioned, I think this Philadelphia Eagles defense, right, has been something that people have circled as well. We talked about with Mina Kimes on this show, the linebacker level that changed over personnel from last year, already down, one of their guys, right, Nicobe Dean, who's missing time right now on short-term IR with that foot injury there and was banged up a bunch in the last week as well. Blankenship in the safety room had been knocked out for a little bit. That group has got to be able to get after Baker Mayfield, make him uncomfortable, and finally get that zero out of the turnover column. I think if Philadelphia wants to go out – because, Dad, it's it, – It hasn't been that they've not been winning, but in their mind, I just don't think they're as dominant as they believe that they can be. We've talked about the 49ers coming out of the gate playing a blistering brand of football so far. Philadelphia, their counterpart from the NFC title last year, hasn't felt like they've matched that and lived up to what this roster's personnel is capable
2: of. I completely agree. I think the two teams that have come out and looked, because we always say the way you start the season, you know, halfway in, you're a different team. San Francisco came out of the gate looking like we thought they were looking, and Miami did as well. Right, coming out and saying going to have an explosive offense, uh, and they have. So they they have looked apart. Philly for coming off the Super Bowl has not, but they're still getting the wins, and that's all that matters. And you just keep waiting, and and I think it's a crapshoot every week what you're going to get out of Baker Mayfield. Again, so far so good, but very early in the season. But you, you always think, because it's happened, eventually he's going to start turning the ball over, especially if Philadelphia gets ahead in this game and is controlling the clock with their running game. Now if you're ahead and Tampa Bay doesn't have the ball as long, that means they're putting it up in the air more, which could possibly lead to that first interception, at least maybe for Baker Mayfield.
0: And you've got one of the areas where you've been had as much Oh, we've got the Taylor Swift parlay up on DraftKings Sportsbook you can get to, too, right now. But, Dad, one of the greenest areas of this Buccaneers team going back to last year, all the turnover they've had on the interior offensive line, guys like Cody Mock getting in there, our buddy Rob Hainsey taking over for Ryan Jensen, who unfortunately had to hang it up this year, getting ready to go up against that Philadelphia Eagles interior of Jordan Davis uh, and Jalen Carter in there. That's one to circle because those two freaks have been absolutely mashing through the early portion of the season.
2: I love watching those interior guys. I mean, I can't believe I played the same position as those guys. I mean, yeah. those are those are and young guys in their career, but their ability to push the pocket or push the line and make what what running play is supposed to go between the tackles bounce east and west is incredible so that's that's a duo in the middle that's going to be there a while for philly
1: emerson what's this swifty parlay yeah yeah remember i tagged you in it over the weekend so dk sportsbook offered up a you belong with me parlay so too late to get in on it because part of it was chiefs to win check travis kelsey to score a touchdown check so for this four-leg parlay to hit for everybody tonight eagles need to win and deandre swift needs to score a touchdown Wow. There we go. Ride the hot hand,
0: baby. We'll finish this off the way we always do with this, that, and the third coming up next here on Gojo and Golden. Sound the trumpets. It's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLID. Only on the DK Horse app. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's finish this off the way that we always do with this, that, and the third. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating and check us out every Monday through Friday right here, 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKings' YouTube channel, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, and plenty more coming down the pipeline soon. But guys, we had big news in the world of music and the NFL yesterday outside of our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift. Heading over to Arrowhead Stadium, we got a big announcement about the Super Bowl halftime show and Usher Raymond heading to the big stage.
1: Hello, yo, I'm in the booth, I'm gonna call you right back. Wait, can you talk? Nah, I just gotta put this one part down, I'm gonna call you back. Wait, wait, it's Kim. I'm at the studio, man. I finally got the answer to those rumors. It's not about me, it's about you. You're doing the Super Bowl. Go playing with me, man.
2: You're playing the Apple Music Halftime Show in Vegas.
0: No, for real, don't play like that.
2: I don't have time to play.
1: One, I'm busy. Two, you're doing the Super Bowl.
2: Are you serious?
1: i <sighs> uh, sure, listen to me. How you know? I know everything. I've seen you in Vegas twice, but this one's gotta be different. Put that on everything. I put that on everything. Damn. So it'll be like me, my entire family, all my kids, maybe like five to ten friends. Who should I send my ticket request to? I'm gonna call you back. Wait, we'll be in touch. I'm gonna call you back.
0: What's up for you here and for the podcast audience listening for the Apple Music Halftime Show as Usher is announced as the performing act, a way a lot of people expected. That was a recreation of the Confessions Part 2 music video there. Kim Kardashian, the woman's voice that you heard there, explaining this to the old music video footage of Usher right there as he thought he said all he could say. But then this chick on the side says she's got one on the way. And so those were his confessions.
2: Man, I'm glad you explained that to me. I don't know what the hell is
1: going on. I was waiting Uh, for that. I I I thought Usher was a lot older than that. He looks so youthful. I'm
0: watching that going,
2: what the hell is this? I'm I'm so glad you explained that because if I had to talk coming out of that, I don't know what I would have said. I would have said, boy, what a setup that was.
1: (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I read, that, I read that Usher doesn't lift weights. He just does all body weight stuff, and that's why he's so chiseled. I know that's important to this conversation. And No, and listen, it's Whirly. extremely... That's yeah. why he's
0: been able to stay so nimble as a dancer, one of the premier performers of my lifetime. I'm excited. So many of the mi- middle school and high school dances of my life had Yeah playing ah. in the background, yeah. Let It Burn, Confessions Part 2. Usher's got enough hits to make this thing sing. Yeah. My only beef with this was... I needed a better public apology from Usher, who once famously told T-Pain on an airplane that he had ruined popular music with autotune and sent (laughs) T-Pain into a depression. T-Pain is a national treasure anyone who slights him is an enemy of my state and should be wow. the enemy of any state. Usher has said that they've made peace and that they're cool, but still I think needs to do more in the way of mending fences publicly with Teddy Payne. So I hope that's the case, but I'm excited for this halftime show. Even though, again, mastermind note, Taylor Swift managing to steal the headlines on a David yeah, that Kardashian was involved in the Super Bowl halftime show announcement, a Super Bowl halftime show Taylor has been linked to for the last couple of years. Open your third eye. That yeah. part didn't feel like an accident. Listen,
2: there's not not many when she is a headline somewhere that people can outheadline her, right? I mean in no. the in the gossip columns or really performing as well. But I am looking forward to usher. I'm a fan. I think he's gonna be a great entertaining halftime. As you mentioned, he has plenty of hits uh to play and that that's what you play at the halftime show you play the hit so uh, i'm looking forward to it i'll i'll be right there on the sideline again you know uh, working the game so looking forward to it i've gotten to see uh the last couple it's been awesome
0: well hopefully who... little john is there making an appearance as well for yeah fingers crossed
1: junior is there someone you'd like to see perform like your dream oh. performer <laughs> Besides we know who that Swift, is. maybe anyone else besides Taylor Swift. We already we've already read, right? She said no. Like they don't get paid yeah. to do this thing. She's like, I'm sorry, dude. I make 14 mil a night on tour. Yeah.
0: No, I would say maybe just more '90s nostalgia revival. We talk great. about and getting back together, but a lot of those no- early 2000s performances with some of the big-time pop artists from my childhood, because that's really what yeah. it is now. We're hitting the nostalgia button time after Bingo. time on a lot of these. And Emerson our Age Range has become the one that advertisers in the Super Bowl are catering to.
1: That's now. that is why, like the Dr. Dre Eminem, like was that last year, like two years ago, whichever two one years it was. ago, yeah, two was, years ago, was phenomenal, was absolutely great. Which is why, like mine, would be. Bra- Britney Spears, and I know she kind of performed yeah. next to NSYNC back in 2001. So we're hitting that audience. We're hitting that generation again, Mike. Lo- she should have had the headline of the Super Bowl halftime show long time ago. Imagine what she could do on a Super Bowl budget after, like, one of her greatest performances with her on stage with, like, this python around her neck. You'd have hey, to but,
0: bring uh, Victor Wembanyama <laughs> out to help, too. <laughs> oh, Yes. And, and,
2: and Mike, you know, going back in the time, like you said, nostalgia. How about our buddy? But he'd be playing back with Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius oh, Rucker. Oh, man I, I love mean,
0: that. Yeah. I, I only want to be right here. We remake one of the better halftime performances of all time going back to Thanksgiving in Dallas years ago and just bring Creed out there. Hell yeah, brother. Take him <laughs> off the cruise line. Get him onto the Super Bowl <laughs> yes. halftime stage and prosper. Emerson, speaking of a team that won't be playing on the big-time stage, Woo. let's get to that and some bad news about the Yankees.
1: Okay, yeah, so as we discuss this, that, and the other, Yankees will not be making the playoffs here. First time since 2016, they are out of the playoffs, losing to the Diamondbacks 7-1 yesterday, falling out of contention with the American League's wildcard spot. Ooh, how the mighty have fallen.
0: Dad, and I mean, now they're sitting at a point with seven games left. They're just trying not to finish under five hundred. would be the first time since 1992 that a Yankees team had fallen that far off. A year last year where we had so much Yankees, college football fans, were getting to know Aaron Judge during the home run race, and it collapsed famously this season.
2: Yeah, yeah, it really did. You had, you know, breaking into whatever you're watching on TV to see if Judge is going to break that record in his 51 games this year. They had the second-highest payroll behind the Mets of New York. (laughs) <laughs> really floundering in the baseball world between those two teams and the money they spent so you know let's see what they go do in the offseason right but this is uh it, it can be a head scratcher at times but but this is what happens sometimes you spend a lot of money that doesn't work out i i, I again i go back to the Mets spending all that money and then trading people would spend trading away the people they spent the money on on uh, the pitching staff it's been uh it's been ugly for the new york teams and the yankees obviously you know as we always get talked about like the cowboys like notre dame and just when they flounder there are a lot of people that take joy in that and certainly i know where emerson's sitting a lot of people in boston who take joy in that even though boston's got nothing to cheer about either this year
0: i was gonna say there's a lot of bad company between yeah. the mets the yeah. yankees and the red sox with the way things have gone on heim bloom getting let go the other week as we talked to jared garabas so uh, it's so it's Again, the teams were growing up in New England, growing up in Connecticut, especially at the beginning of the Red Sox run in the early 2000s, to seeing now where all these teams landed over the course of this season. You mentioned some of the other big spenders. The Padres had also been struggling through a lot of this year. Down bad, uh, but at least uh, I guess your owner wasn't out here on Twitter fingers the way Steve Cohen was, so maybe you got that to look forward to. No Mrs. met in her wagon in your clubhouse, though, (laughs) so maybe uh, that could be uh, stocked down here. Emerson, yep. let's Last get to one here. here.
1: Let's go. This, that, and the third. I know I called the segment the absolute wrong name, but that's what I do when I am a rookie host here. A Re- boy. Me- Megan Rapinoe saying goodbye to the national team. Guys, played in her final match, a friendly against South Africa on Sunday. U.S. women winning 2-0. She was subbed in in the 54th minute. So finishing her career, 203 games, 63 goals, 73 assists for the U.S. women's side, plus a gold medal from... London, to 2012 Olympics, a couple World Cup titles as well, Junior
0: one of the most recognizable faces in North American sports and dad we know and talk about all the time soccer the most popular sport in the world and in the U.S. maybe not as much but the U.S. women's national team was always sort of our entry point into that conversation as the rest of the country's grown into it through MLS the men's national team this last round in the World Cup the women have been the one thing that we could hold up as our offering to the rest of the world and say we do this as well as the rest of you there and Megan Rapino, through her activism through her battles with the president at the time, and certainly the way she and others have fought for equal pay for women in the recent years around this sport, has become one of the voices and faces that we have been most used to seeing. She was an incredible part of building up this program to the heights that it's achieved, and she's going to sorely be missed, as we saw. As we saw newcomers in this last World Cup round, where it didn't go as well, also extremely difficult to replace from a player standpoint.
2: Yeah, the last few years, she's listen, let's be honest, she's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. She's been a lightning rod for some controversy as well, Uh, off the field but you know fighting for equal pay has been a, a great thing and let's let's look at what she did on the field and just she should be absolutely applauded and admired and given the standing o for what she's meant for the u.s women's team over the long long 203 games she's played for them
0: we applaud and admire all of you for watching and listening download subscribe rate review enjoy monday night football thanks so much and we'll talk to you tomorrow